0: As a human, as each one of us in this room. As of the ministers of Christ, you mean we're all ministers? Absolutely. Right? Just because you don't have a little card in your pocket doesn't mean you're not a minister. Because when you're out there, you're a minister. You're ministering to somebody. Amen? And it says, and stewards of the mysteries of God. What are the mysteries of God? The gospel of Jesus Christ and all that's associated with it, right? So if we have his truth in us, if we have this Holy Ghost, if we've been baptized in Jesus' name, he has given each one of us the same amount of power as everybody else in this room. And the same amount of wisdom and ability and authority and everything else to do his will. And his will is to spread this gospel, spread this good news. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And you can be seed this morning. A man be found faithful. If you're going to be a steward, you're going to be found faithful. You know, we're stewards of our checkbooks and we're stewards of our own health. And you know, if you've been around long enough, if you eat all, if you eat the wrong kind of stuff long enough, it's going to start affecting your body, right? It's going to start affecting your health. You don't have to have a doctor tell you that. If your diet is nothing but pizza, it's going to start affecting you after a while. And you will suffer, I guess the word is, the results of that. So you got to be a good steward. Nobody's going to make you do it. You have to decide to be a good steward of your own health, of your own body, of your own finances. Because if you don't pay your bills, somebody will come after you, right? Or they'll shut your lights off or whatever, Right? And so we, we understand even in the natural, whether we say the word stewardship or not, we understand about faithfulness and, and just commitment to, if you signed a document that says, I'll pay you every month for the, the electricity I use or the water I use, you have to be a good steward of that and pay that. Right? So we're talking about stewardship. So we, we had kind of a basic understanding of stewardship is, is it's about that that same word in that scripture says that a man be found faithful. That's really all stewardship is: is faithfulness in the in the sense of of being uh, an apostolic and being a Christian. It's about faithfulness to God and all of His precepts, all of them. And so we we're just kind of keying on some of them. And so the four things that we're talking about this month are stewardship and tithing. We we talked about how that tithing is is required, it's in the book, it's in the Bible, so we do it. There's no question. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, or even a little bit, if you've been tithing faithfully, you have found out really quickly that God, I mean, God said that he he said he would never see the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And and trust me when I tell you, if you will just do what the Bible says, what did did the prophet Samuel say to, to King Saul? He said, that's great that you wanted to sacrifice all these animals that I told you to kill, but God's more concerned with obedience than he is with sacrifice. So it's about obedience. Doesn't matter matter if you understand it. You're not going to understand a lot of it. I still can't explain some stuff that I do out of obedience, but it doesn't matter. It's not up to me to explain it or understand it. If God said to do it, i got to do it, right? Simple. If I want to be saved, what do I got to do? You got to repent? First, I have to acknowledge that God is, it, God is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. First, I got to acknowledge that he is, and that his word is truth. Then I got to obey his word. I got to repent. I got to be baptized, right? I got to be what? Filled with the Holy Ghost? Then how do I know that? I'm going to be the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Right? So we we have to obey those things. It doesn't matter if you understand it. I don't. I still don't know how it happens when you go down in that water, but I know it happens because I've been there and I know I, I something happened. Something changed in me. So sometimes we just have to obey. To obey is better than sacrifice. So tithing is important. God doesn't need our money, but He just wants to see if we're going to be faithful. He wants to see if we're going to be committed. He wants to see if we're going to be obedient. And then we talked about talents last week, or gifts, and all the things that God has given us, the gifts that he has given us in our life, the gift of life, right? The gift of the Holy Ghost, the gifts that he operates through us, gifts and helps and and and. Working of miracles and all these things that God gives us as gifts. We are to be stewards of them. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So he expects us to, to exercise those gifts that he has put in operation in our life and not just go crazy with them. Right? He's not going to give you, if, if, if he senses that you're going to misuse a gift, it's just me. You know, I want to have the word of wisdom so I can know stuff about people. (laughs) That's not the right motive, is it? That's not. I was gonna say no. You're not getting that gift because your motive is wrong. It's all about the motive, isn't it? God honors motive. Just like who did we talk about? Cornelius. Cornelius wasn't saved, he wasn't baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, but he understood obedience, and he understood who God was, and he feared God, and he did those things out of fear and out of reverence to God. And God honored, God's, the Bible says that God looked down and saw all this, and he honored that, because his motive was right. And isn't it amazing, if you'll just do something out of obedience, even if you don't understand it all isn't it amazing? God sends somebody along and says, "Hey, go baptize that guy in his whole house." Right? So we talked about that. So now we're going to get into talking about being stewards of our time. So this is going to be an interesting lesson. I really enjoyed working on this, and God really worked me over on this, and so we're going to get right into this. So the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? Wow. For ye are bought with a price, Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So your life is not your own, is it? And by extension, we could say that your time is really not your time. We call it our time, right? I don't have time, (laughs) right? There's not enough time. Right. I could just go on and on with little things that we say all the time. Right. See. Right. We don't even think about it sometimes. It just see when I was working on this, it was like I can't even make a sentence. <laughs> right. And so we take it for granted, don't we? C.S. Lewis said the future is something which everyone reaches at the rate of 60 minutes an hour, whatever he does. Whoever he is. You know, that clock doesn't stop ticking just because it doesn't. It, it, it Time marches on, as they say, right? It waits for no man. And we only have a little bit of time on this earth, don't we? Each one of us. And how we handle our time is going to matter at the end. Right? So, I have there, number one, the gift of time. There's another gift we have, the gift of time. Because time is precious gift from God to his creation. Before there was time, as we know it, there was God, the I am and the self-existent one. He does not exist within the confines of time. He had to create the concept of time so that we could measure him and his workings on the earth. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he knows the end from the beginning. And so he, he doesn't operate within the confines of time as we know it. He controls He's the controller of time. Right? Time in general is irrelevant to God. But our time is very, very, very important to him. And how we use our time, because see, God made us free moral agents. He can't make us do anything. I guess he could if he wanted to, but he doesn't. He won't go against our human will. He won't make us receive the Holy Ghost, will he? We have to want, he, he can draw us, but we have to be, we have to get up out of our pew or wherever it is in our home. We have to give ourselves to him and we have to, we have to want to receive the Holy Ghost. We have to want this. Right? He's not going to force it on anybody. Ephesians five, fifteen through seventeen. Ephesians five fifteen through seventeen says, See then that you walk circumspectly or walk carefully or diligently, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Is that what it says? Because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what, what, does that say? the will of the Lord is. That word time there that we read in verse 16 is the Greek word Kairos, which means season or opportune time. So it's not just time on a watch, it's a season. It's an opportunity. So redeeming the opportunities, redeeming the season, redeeming every opportunity that we have on this earth. Amen? And then I kind of keyed on that, what the will of the Lord is, or what God himself does or chooses to do of his own good pleasure. He doesn't come and ask us if it's okay. Is it okay if I use you, Sister Bell? to do this or to teach this, but is it okay if I if I ask you to leave your family? He doesn't come and ask us if it's okay if if he asks us to do something. Does he? He just waits for us to respond to what he says and obey. Now, I believe there's lots of towns and cities right now today that don't have a pastor because a man heard from God but he refused to go. That's just what I believe. Because it's not, he's not going to force you to go. If you hear the word, if you hear him speak and you don't respond, that's on you. Right? So he not only created time and and inhabits all space and time, but he is a controller of time in this world, in our lives. So what, what he chooses to do in us, with us, and through us is according to his good pleasure. And his sovereign will. But more importantly, it is dependent upon our submission of our God-given time, talents, and abilities to him. Because time is really a gift. It really is. The Bible says that in him, we live and move and have our being. So if you woke up today and you got to see the sunshine, it's because he allowed you to wake up today and to have two eyes to see the sunshine with, and he's given you breath in your body. None of us is thinking about breathing right now. We're just doing it. We're not telling our, we're not sitting there thinking heartbeat, heartbeat. We're not doing that. It's just happening. It's just beating right now. So the time that we have on this earth is not in our hands, is it? I mean, we could take it in our hands, I guess. People commit suicide. They kind of take time into their own hands when they do that, don't they? But our time, you know, we, we say, God knows the day of my death. You know, he, he does. He knows the day of our death and he knows, he knows the day of our birth and the day of our death. He knows. Right? So it's a matter of what we do with the time we have on this earth while we're here. Like, yes, the dash. Right? On the gravestone, the little dash. Ephesians uh five 7, 15 through seventeen in the in the God word God's Word translation says, So then be very careful how you live. Don't live like foolish people, but live like wise people. Make the most of your opportunities, redeeming the time, because these are evil days. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord wants. So we have to ask ourselves Do I get up every day and, and sit down and look at my schedule and make up, make my schedule out for myself and, and then I, I, I I get my day timer out and I got all my stuff on there and I lift it up before God and say, okay, here's what my day looks like. Is this okay with you? We do that. We really do. Instead, we should get up with an empty day timer. And say, and I pray this in the mornings, what do you, I want to get involved in what you're doing today, God. What are you doing today? If I got to take stuff off of my schedule, then please tell me. Because this time is yours. And time is precious. And time is growing short, isn't it? The Lord's going to come soon. Things are going on all around us. and. So much the more as you see the day approaching, it's important that we make sure that we're not using up all of God's time for all stuff we want to do. What do you want me to do today, God? Because we will get busy in our schedule, and we'll spend our little time, our little block of time over here with God, and then we'll take the rest of the day for ourselves. But what if God's talking to us all through the day? And we're not listening because we're busy doing our stuff. We might miss something. So rather we should, nothing wrong with having a calendar and a schedule. I'm not, I'm not condemning that. I'm not saying that, but we should go through our day ready for God to disrupt our schedule and say, this, I want you to stop here and go do this and do that. But if we're not listening, right? We'll miss. We just talked about that opportunity, that season. There's only a, there's only a certain time when a door is open in an, in a season and an opportunity for an individual that God needs us there right at that very moment. And if we're busy following our own schedule, we're going to miss that. That door was only open for that little while. Galatians 6, uh, verse 9 and 10 says, "And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season that." That word season there is is the same word we just read, redeeming the time. It's the same word, kairos. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, that word there, opportunity. The Greek word is kairos. How about that? I don't know why they didn't just use, I don't know why the translators used all these different words <laughs> trying to confuse us or something. I don't know. Or maybe the, the, maybe God's trying to get a point across. It's a season, it's an opportunity, it's a time. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto those of the household of faith. It's all about God's timing, isn't it? Proverbs 16 and 9 says that a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. That word deviseth means to plot, to think upon, to think out something. A person could think out his own, his or her own course of life. Kind of what I've already been saying, you know, we, we plan our day and we make all these plans and, and put all these things on, on our calendar, whether physically or, or su- subconsciously, we, we plan our day. And I, you know, I know I, I go to work and I have, I have to have a job. And, and so I, I do plan my day around the schedule that that employer expects me to work in that eight hour span of time. Or, or if you're in college, they expect you to be in class and, and you've got to be there. But we can also at the same time be submitting our time and our day to God. What if God told, told you to miss class because he needed you to be at a place on campus because there was going to be a soul there? He's going to take care of the class part if he tells you to be somewhere else, right? Makes sense, right? God wouldn't do that. He wouldn't. Why wouldn't he? He can do whatever he wants. He'll divert you to be, to make you to be in a place where you can be there when somebody crosses the path in front of you right there. Cause time is, he's really in charge of our time. So we make our appointments and our plans, and we plan our lives each individual day, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, and, and we have our calendars, and we need those. Absolutely we need those. We need because we can't just go through life just willy-nilly, can we? Let's see what all, you know, we just can't just kind of make it up as we go. There's nothing wrong with having a calendar, but I and I have one too. I, I follow one, and, and I put stuff on my own calendar and little reminders to remind myself of stuff, but I don't. I'm, I'm not so tied to that, I guess, that I don't leave room for God to upset my calendar. Okay, Is this all right? Amen. It's from God, so like we said at the beginning, God's got something He's trying to tell somebody in here in this room today. If it's one little nugget, you need to receive it. Right? We should really have the attitude that James posits. In his, in chapter four of, of, uh, of his, of the book of James, verse 13 through 17, where he says, Go to now, say ye say, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't even know what the rest of today holds. The, There was an employee at where I work that got hit by a plow truck the other day, just walking out to her car after work. I don't know if she didn't see the plow truck or it didn't see her, but she got hit by a plow truck. You never know. Just walking out the door from work, she had no idea. So you never know if somebody's going to cross through an intersection, run a red light and T-bone you and take you out of this world. No man's promised tomorrow. We are not promised today even. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time. So in God's economy, our life is just a little bitty smidgen, like a little sliver of time. To us, it seems like 70, 80 years seems like an eternity, but to God, it's just a little sliver of time. Then And then vanisheth away. For ye are not For you, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, that's a good, that's a good way to start your day. (laughs) Lord, it's Monday. And if it be your will, I'll do this or do that. We shall live and do this. If it's your will, I'll even live today. The people I work with—they're always asking me. When at the end of the day, they'll say, "We'll see you tomorrow," and I'll say, "Well, the good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise." <laughs> when I first said that, one of them was like, "What did you just say?" I said, "Yeah, the look—good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise." And I—I I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I mean it. If the good Lord wills, I'll be here tomorrow. I'd like to be here tomorrow, wouldn't you? I want to live another day. I don't know. Some days, it's I feel like, Lord, come quickly, take me out of here. <laughs> Let somebody else do. This. Right? We feel like that, don't we? We have days like that where it's like, Oh Lord, take me now. Right? While everything's good, take me right now. The Lord, through His servant James, is giving us a very valuable. Some very valuable advice, isn't he? If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that, and that can even refer to in the church. We make all these plans and we make all these schedules and we but what if God has a another plan right so I feel like me. I, I would rather find out what God's doing. And I remember, uh, there was a guy that was teaching PI. I can't, it wasn't here. It was somewhere else, but he was talking about how in their church m- monthly meeting of their team, they would get together in, in their planning meeting. And he said they would pray sometimes for an hour before they ever made one decision or wrote one thing down on a piece of paper. And they would all get the mind of God first for what they needed to do before they ever sat down and started writing stuff down. And he said nearly every time they did that, everything that they put down that calendar worked without fail. Because why? They went to God first and said, what do you want me to do? What do you want us to do? And so that's a, that's a good attitude to wake up every day with. What do you want me to do today, God? Your time my time doesn't belong to me, it belongs to you. I submitted myself to you when I went to that, that altar and I and I said I repent and I, I turn my life over to you, God. You're in charge of me now. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to spend my time today? You know, Lauren O'Harris wrote a song years ago and it's goes like this I miss my time with you. Those moments together. I need to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy, busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit is empty? There's a longing in my heart, and it goes on and on and on. But the whole point of the song is God is sitting there saying, I just want some time with you. Not just this little corner of, of your day that you gave me. I want, I want you all day long, right? He wants our time. He wants, he wants to know that we're listening to whatever it is he has to say. Don't you want to know what God? if God has something to say to you? He wants you to do something and be somewhere? I'd want to know that. If I'm really serious about serving God, I'd want to know that. Number two, love is spelled T-I-M-E. What in the world does that have to do with stewardship, Brother Demuth? Okay, we're going to talk about it. So Acts 2. 41 to 47. Wow, that's right after they got the Holy Ghost, right? Acts 2, 41 to 47. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they all went out to eat after that and went home. Right? (laughs) It doesn't say that. Next verse. And they that continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and of breaking of bread and in prayers. Next verse. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They were meeting in the temple. They were having church together, worshiping together, and breaking bread from house to house. So they went from the church to doing it from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, and the Lord, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. They were out there loving on people. They were spending time fellowshipping from house to house. It takes time to disciple somebody. You can't get in a hurry. I think you were talking about it took you a year that, that Nigerian guy or whatever. It took a, a year. We had a guy in the, in the Okinawa that was in the naval hospital. It took us almost a year to get that guy in the baptismal tank in the East China Sea because he was very intelligent and he, he wanted to figure everything out. So we had to be patient. And he But he would come faithfully to the Bible studies that we were having and he would sit there and listen and he wouldn't say a whole lot. But one day, boom, it just it was just like the light came on. It was a bright light in his and he was like, wow, I see it. And he couldn't wait to get down in that water. But it took us a year of just committed, being faithful, taking the time to just love him. And that love. The love of Jesus Christ that we shed or brought in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, it took a lot of what? What are we talking about? Time, right? It took time. I'm thankful that somebody was wise enough to allow my wife and I to have some time to assimilate and to make some decisions in our life whether we were going to really do this or not. And they didn't come along and push and shove and and dictate and do all these things, they just kind of stepped back. They just gave it some time. Let us make that decision. But I'm going to tell you something. When we did, nothing was stopping us. And so that's why I said love is spelled T-I-M-E. Everywhere that Jesus went, he showed love and compassion. He took time to stop in to eat dinner with the publicans and sinners. He took time When they wanted to just tell that blind guy over there on the side of the road to just shut up, man. You're just, you're disrupting everything. Just tell him to be quiet. And he just cried the louder. And Jesus stopped everything and said, bring him over here. Right? He took time out of his schedule for that woman who was brought to him being accused of adultery. He stopped everything he was doing and took the time to to sit, kneel down on the ground and right in the dirt. And he took the time for her. He took the time out of his schedule when he said, we must needs go through Samaria. He didn't tell him why. He just said, we got to go through Samaria. And they're probably going, why are we going through Samaria When nobody, no Jew goes through Samaria. Why is he making us go through Samaria? What's he doing? God's not always going to tell you what he's doing, is he? He's just going to say, hey, I need you to go there. And so what did he do when he got there? He sent those guys away, all the critics, he sent them away. Because he knew there was a woman coming to that well that needed him. And he took the time out to spend time with her and break it all down so that she could understand who was who it was that was standing right in front of her. So it's going to take time. But we have to make our time available to God, don't we? Matthew 10:16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. God's going to send us places. That's really the part of that scripture I wanted to really key in on. He says, I send you forth. Didn't we receive a commission? Right? Preach the gospel to every creature, making disciples of men. We don't just, you know, we don't just go around with our little magic wand going, you're a disciple, you're a disciple, you're a disciple. And we just, because we want to get on with our life. It doesn't work that way. It's going to take time. And it might even cost you money. (laughs) Think about that. You might even have to spend your own money to maybe buy somebody dinner. More than once. More than Twice. It's a matter of how you're not spending, it's not your money anyway, right? (laughs) He just gave it all to you, and he's letting you be a steward of all of his blessings, all the money, your health, the car you drive, everything. So why not use it for his good and for his glory? So when you're doing something like that, if you're grumbling about, man, i got to buy him dinner again. I had plans for that time in in the evening. I was going to do this or do that, right? But God's upsetting your schedule, and He's saying, "No, but I need I need you to go minister to them." And so it's going to cost you your time and your money. But if you just look at it a little different, as an investment, I'm investing my money and my time in the kingdom because it's not mine anyway. And if I need more, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the gold under those hills. He'll make sure you're taken care of, right? He knows what we have need of before we ask, right? So we really don't even need to ask for ourselves, do we? Because he hardly—he said he's not going to see the righteous. So we don't even need to say, "Oh God, I need money." He knows. He knows. So we should be busy praying about other stuff that is kingdom, you know. I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but in 1 Corinthians 13, what we commonly call the love chapter, right? Paul was reminding the churches that only through love can the loss be reached. We can go to the first verse or two there, Sister Parker, if you want. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, that's agape, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, I got all these gifts and I'm so spiritual and understand all the mysteries. Oh, I'm so deep and spiritual. And all knowledge, and though I have all faith, So that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. We can stop right there. So you're useless to God. You can have all that stuff, but you're useless to the kingdom if you're not using that with love. That's what Jesus did. He had compassion. He had love. When the Pharisees and all the religious people wanted to just shove those people to the side, and they're just lower than low and all this kind of stuff, he was... He took the time out for those people. Like I heard one preacher say, if if we'll love the people that nobody wants, right, God will give us the people everybody wants. And what does that mean? So if you'll go love the homeless and, and the destitute and the smelly and all those kind of people, if you'll love them and, and go after them and reach for them and, and help them get into the kingdom, when God sees you're faithful in that, He'll start sending people to the door of your church that, like the mayor, the police chief, because God's going to say, You're going to be faithful in the small things. I'm going to, I'm going to give you more stuff. Doesn't God work that way? To whom much is given, much is required, right? So they're all souls to Him. Doesn't matter what their office is or what their standing in life is. Once again we are not our own, are we? Our steps should be ordered by him, shouldn't they? Right? It's easy to say, That's harder to do than it is to say. The steps of the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. He how many of us really give our and say my days up to you God. You know, it, when I when I pulled into the to the parking lot at work Tuesday whenever all that snow came down, I was I was thanking God because he got me there. <laughs> I might have been had my hand on the steering wheel, but he got me there. For sure. So exactly how much time does it take to disciple somebody? Is there a standard? Is there there isn't, is there? As long as it takes is what I wrote down here on my notes, is what God said, as long as it takes. Thank God that somebody took the time to hang in there for me and for you. And they took as long as it takes. Just about the time you're ready to give up, they might be that close. So you can't just give up. Well, they've been coming to the altar 15 times and haven't received the Holy Ghost yet. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. You know? It's like, the guy that's going through all the trials and tests and can't figure out why his church isn't growing. Just keep, you know, keep throwing the seed out there. Just keep throwing the seed out there. Cause God sent you there. So he's going to bring a, he's going to bring a harvest. You just got to keep throwing the seed out there. Keep watering it. God, it's, you know, God adds to the church daily such as should be saved, right? We don't. Some water, some plant. Who gives the increase? God. So the last little part there is that I wanted to emphasize that time is short. The kingdom must come first. The time is short. The, in, the, in one place in the Bible it says that it's high time that we wake out of sleep. we got to wake up out of our stupor. You know, we can get so uh, filled and inundated with information off of the the Internet and the media and everything, that we can really get fogged up about what's most important for the kingdom's sake. And if we're not careful, we can get our minds all filled up with all kinds of stuff that doesn't really matter. What Congress does doesn't really matter. I mean, it does, but it really doesn't for the kingdom because, really, they're not in control. They think they are, but they don't realize that they're just puppets in the hand of God. He raises one up and sets another one down, and he can take their life and snuff it out like that if he wants to. God's in control of this thing. He's not up there wringing his hands going, oh, now what am I going to do? The Democrats this, and oh, the Republicans that. He's not worried about stuff like that. You know, some... Some people say that it's we got all these people that are crossing our border and oh it's bad and but you got to look at that a little different. <laughs> if we won't go, he'll bring them. So let's not discount in our mind the the foreigners and the illegals or whatever you want to call them that are out there. He's bringing them here because he wants us to reach them too, right? How many of you believes that, right? Why do you think? I mean, he, the monks just showed up here, 30 or 40 years ago. No, 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 no. God, he, he made that happen, because we couldn't get into that country, so he brought them here. Because guess what? They can get back in that country. <laughs> so all we got to do is win a couple of those people here and then they'll tell their families back there now we got we got somebody inside that country that's allowed to be there isn't god awesome how he does stuff you know some of these people are here temporarily but if we can get this truth in them if we can get them saved and then they got to go back to their country guess what just happened god just called them in into the ministry and a missionary and send him right back there with truth. Right? God wouldn't do that. Yes, he would. Matthew 6.33, what does it say? Somebody quote it. Oh, don't put it up there. (laughs) What does Matthew 6.33 say? I can't hear you. But seek ye first. What's the most important thing to all of us in this room? The kingdom. If we'll seek first the kingdom, if we'll give all of our time and energy and talents and everything that we have to seeking first the kingdom, and what we can do, and how we can improve, and how we can grow the kingdom, all this other stuff that we think is so important that we got to try to make room for is going to be—he'll take care of it. He'll add it to us. You know, I just feel, I don't know how God does it, but if I just feel like if I give all my time or as much of my time as I can possibly give to him, to him, he's going to give that time back to me somehow. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to give that time back to you. Right? I just believe that. So it's all about the kingdom. Mark 13:28 through 33 says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When, a, when her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Verily, verily, I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things shall be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of the day and of the hour knoweth no man. We don't know the day or the hour. He's not going to tell us either. No, not the angels which are in heaven. They don't even know. Neither the Son, but the Father. Verse 33. Take heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. What t- was that time? The time of the coming of the Lord. So, uh, it's not in the Bible, but I, I like this saying i guess you could say we got to be busy about our father's business and what is our father's business building the kingdom if you're a, if you are a member uh if you're belong to a, if you have a king that's over a kingdom and you're one of the people that, in the kingdom then your goal is to help the king build the kingdom isn't it right and if you, especially if you're in his military you're gonna He's going to take lands and he's going to take, you know, countries. And so to add to build up the kingdom. And so that's what we're doing spiritually is we're building up the kingdom of God. So God wants us to have that same urgency about our time and realize we need to realize that we are, we have to be good stewards of our time by giving it back. You know, God gives us our finances. We give it back knowing that he'll bless and multiply it. So we got to give our time back to him. And realize that he's in control of all time. Amen? So next Sunday, we're going to talk about stewardship of testimony. This is going to be a good one. Because the Bible says we overcome by what? Blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And um, so I kind of forgot, but through the devil a curve anyway. Sister Bell, would you like to... Praise God, as Sister Bell comes by and you give your Sunday school offering, you can be dismissed in Jesus' name. And make sure you come back at 1030 to hear what our pastor has to preach to us today. In Jesus' name.